Would you take your Bibles for our meditation this morning and turn to the third chapter of the book of Colossians. <coughs> the third chapter of the book of Colossians, and I'm going to read verse 16, from which our text comes this morning. And the title of the message is, Why Do We Sing? Why Do We Sing? The answer is in the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Word of God. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And I almost want to go to verse 17, which I will, even though I'm not preaching from there today. Whatever you do in word or deed, including what we just read, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God, the Father. And now, Father, take charge of your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. There are only one or two people that I know about who doesn't like music. And one of them is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis did not care for music, and I think the reason was, was because he came from a background of, of chanters. <laughs> and, and chanting music, you know, I was listening to, because the, the, the message had to do with music and singing this week, that's what the text says. I, I was listening to, um, I, I mentioned to people that one of my practices in April and May is I go around the world by way of the internet to go to graduations. And, and I, I go to all the, almost every country I can. And yesterday I was in Cape Town, South Africa. And, and, and there was a lady there who was, who was giving a response with the South Africans singing the way they did, do it there. And I could hardly wait for her to finish Number one, I couldn't understand a word she was saying. And number two, the thought came to me, I wonder if our singing sounds to her the way her singing sounded to me. Because her singing was somewhat gibberish. That's what I thought. But when she was finished, people just... just the people who were there just gave her an ovation and she was saying something to them. C.S. Lewis was asked, since you don't like music, do you think we should get rid of music in the church? He said, by no means. By no means. Simply because I don't like it is no reason why we shouldn't sing it. 
This morning, for a few minutes, I want to share with you why we sing from Colossians 3. And the first thing we learn from Colossians 3 as to why we sing is because of the Word of God dwelling in us. Look at the text again. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you may teach. And by the way, when Gwen was singing, her song was a teaching song. And I want you to understand that. So we, we teach with more than, than me standing saying something to you. When we sing to one to God and sing to one another, we're teaching, we're, we're saying this is what we believe. And so, by the word of God dwelling in us, teaching, wisdom, admonishing. And then it says, singing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your hearts to the Lord with thanksgiving. Listen, the Word of God produces music in us. Now that's interesting, because I want to take you to an Old Testament or two Old Testament passages that speak of this. Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17. Zephaniah. Now, if you are using your electronic Bible, you'll get there immediately. But if you're not, you'll have to look for Habakkuk and then Zephaniah. I want you to look at verse 17 of Zephaniah. And, and, and the word is, is amazing because of what it is saying. It is talking about God being a singer. Zephaniah 3.17. Let's read it. Listen as I read, I should say. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst, among you. A victorious warrior... He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Some translations have, he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy, equal to singing. So what this text is saying, that singing is a part of God's own being. Now, if, if this does not catch your attention, very interesting, interesting text. Job chapter 38 and verse 7. God is speaking to Job. And he's telling Job certain things concerning his experience. And if you read Job 38 verse 7, you read these words. When God created the universe, the invisible world and the visible world, there was singing. The angels sang. 
The angels saw what God was doing and they responded with music, with singing. That singing is in the DNA of our creation. When the Pharisees in Luke chapter 19 said to Jesus, tell your disciples to stop praising you, Jesus said to them in Luke 19, if they stop singing, the creation, the stones will burst out singing. So that in the creation there is this, this singing, as, as it were, God made the creation as a chorus that responds to him with a celebration of praise, with music. God himself, and my friends, please don't ask me to explain that. You will have to experience that when you get to heaven. I will have to experience it when I get to heaven. But make no mistake about it. In God, there is this, this sense of celebration. Celebration in his creation. Celebration in his redemption. Celebration over his people. The book of Genesis, or Job, who is the oldest book in the Bible, says that when God made the creation, the angels sang. The book of Revelation ends when God is going to make a new creation. And guess what it begins with? A new song. Tell me that you don't like singing and I'll ask you if you have tasted the word of God. Let it dwell richly in you and when it is in you, you will sing. You know, we, we didn't say oh, you're supposed to sing like Gwen. Didn't say we're supposed to sing like Julie Andrews. It doesn't say we're supposed to sing like George Beverly Shea. Because our singing is not to the pleasure of human ears. Our singing is to the pleasure of God. It is God who acts and gives us his word so that we might have music. Look at, at the dynamic, the dynamic, the indwelling scripture Look at the dynamic of Scripture. I think last week I told you of Jeremiah chapter 5 and verses 15 and 16. It is 15 verses 15 and 16, not 5. Same Jeremiah, but listen to this. Jeremiah 15 verses 15 and 16. You who know, O Lord, remember me. Take notice of me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Do not, in view of your patience, take me away. Know that for you, for your sake, I endure reproach. Then he said this, Your words were found, and I did eat them. 
Your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. And I have been called by your name, O Lord of hosts. Your word, our words, what God said, I discover them. And I was like a child who, who was in an ice cream shop and, and saw all the beautiful things there and said, I like that, I like that, I like that. Jeremiah said, that was your word to me. And when it came to me, it was joy inside of me. I celebrated the fact that God has spoken in time to me. And to us, the dynamic of God's word when that word, my friend, is present, something happens to us in the 21st chapter of the book of Luke. When the two were on the road to Emmaus and their heads were hanging down, Jesus came to them and said, Why are you walking looking so sad? And then they told Jesus, why? And Jesus began to open the scriptures to them, and they walked for miles until they got to their destination. And then they asked Jesus, Why don't you stay with us? Because the night is almost here. And Jesus did that beautiful thing where theologians still try to figure out whether it was the breaking of bread for communion or breaking of bread in celebration. But he did, and they recognized him. And listen to what they said afterwards. Listen to what they said afterwards. Did not our hearts burn within us while he unveiled the scriptures to us on the way, back there while he was speaking? Wasn't something happening the burning heart, this is heartburn that you want. <laughs> Where God's word produces a sense of fire. Where he lights a flame within us. Where this word becomes uh, like something that the soul craves. David said it again and again and again. He said, how I long to eat your word, to know your word, to observe your word, to obey your word over and over again. Because when God's word is present, music happens. And that's what we have in the Psalms. The word psalm simply means music. It means songs. Over 600 references of music is made in the Bible. Over 600 references to music. So my friends, for, for some reason there are lots of things to just break our hearts in this world. But the one thing that will give us a song in the night is the word of God. The one thing that will give us... I was, I was telling my wife, I was reading something or saw something where, where somebody... Some, some, somebody in Hollywood, I don't know who they are, Kate, 
Kate something. And she was criticizing the dress that Megan was wearing for her wedding. And, and she said, it needed to be one size bigger. Don't ask me, I have no idea, I'm just reporting. But imagine, at a celebration like that, the only thing we can do is to criticize. When the Word of God gives us the ability to soar above that, because when that Word is present, it makes us see life from God's point of view, God's presence, and God's power in action in human activities. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you, because the Word of Christ, when it is there, it has the dynamic to produce music within you, and much more can be said about that, because I want to go to my next point, the content, the content of Christian music. The cause is the indwelling scripture. The cause is the dynamic of the scriptures. Look at the content. Look at our text again. If you go back to Colossians chapter 3, you, you, will, you will sing songs, psalms, and hymns, and spiritual song. Two things about that. Christian music is not one size fits all. It's variations. I was thinking of that a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I don't know how long, Lois and I went to a concert where the Messiah was being sung, and we enjoyed it very much because we always have. And, and we sat there and listened as they went through the scriptures and talk about the hallelujah chorus and so on. Last week, we were in Albany, and we went to a sacred concert. And, and they sang songs. They sang spiritual songs. They sang songs that were hymnal. And they sang songs that were interpretation of the psalms. Let me give you a brief interpretation of this. The word psalm simply means song. But the idea is that the song now has accompaniment. Literally, the word is to pluck, to pluck. And what do you pluck? You pluck a violin. You pluck a guitar. Now, what I'm telling you, friends, that... How many times we come to church and if we like the song, we will sing it. If we don't, we just become British. <laughs> you just keep your lips tightly shut. I have done it. I have done it myself. I'm becoming better at this. But what I want you to see is that the Bible recognizes the variation in music. And friends, the, that lady that was singing yesterday in, in Cape Town, I didn't understand a word she was saying. But I'm going to tell you, because of this text which I was studying on Thursday, made me want to, to, to just say, she is, she is telling others who can understand something. And when you, when you read the Psalms, you have all kinds of experiences in the Psalms. 
You have physical. You have mental. You have intellectual. And, and in each of these, David wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he created the music for it. Do you know, during the Reformation, which we just celebrated the 500th anniversary, what was discovered was what we were singing about this morning, redemption through the scriptures. But also, friends, what was rediscovered during the Reformation was music. For 600 years, the church knew no singing except to chant. And they used to use the psalms were the only thing used. And so John Calvin decided to hire someone because up to that point, all they used was the psalms. And after the Reformation, Calvin who was one of the church fathers, hired someone to come and write the music to the songs, to the psalms. And all kinds of experiences of song comes because of music. Hymns. Hymns are written, they might include the psalms, but hymns have the exclusive distinction that they're always directed to God. Hymns do not speak about my experience. Hymns do not speak about my difficulties. Hymns speak about who God is. And it's most interesting in the New Testament where hymns are used. At the night of the communion, when Jesus was about to go to Gethsemane and then to the cross, the last thing they did was to sing a hymn. So they were focusing upon God, not upon his circumstances. That's why you will find, if you notice, in this congregation, we always begin, and I say always, we always begin our services with a hymn and with hymns. Because when we come together, our first concern is not, is not horizontal. Our first response is the vertical. Because if he is absent, our music will mean absolutely nothing. In the 16th chapter of Acts, Paul and Silas are in prison. They're chained between soldiers. And at midnight, when everything was going in the opposite direction, guess what they were doing? Singing hymns. Now, I want to be careful here. They did not sing songs that they were making up at the moment. They were singing hymns, that which is revealed in the Scripture about the character, the providence, and the sovereignty of God. So that their song was giving them the opportunity to deal with what they were going through. I think I've told you that in my life, one of the things I practice regularly is when I have my quiet time, I always have the hymn book close by. 
because the hymn book will help me to express myself to God in ways. And I was doing it again this morning. Variation, interpretation. Song, spiritual song. You know what Paul is saying there? That there can be songs, but not every song is spiritual, even if it's done in the church. A spiritual song is a song that expresses one's walk with God, what one discovers from God, and he puts music to his experience or her experience. And that becomes a part. Let me just give you one example. A mighty fortress is our God. If you take Psalm 46, you will see how that, that, that hymn written by Luther is just full of scripture, but we're not chanting it, we're singing it in the way we would sing it ordinarily. Many other such songs we have. Spiritual songs are songs, my friends, that, 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 that one can sing because someone else is saying, this is what God has done in my life. My time is, is up, and, and so I, I just want to quickly go to the last of these is the concentration of Christian music. The cause is the indwelling scripture. The content, it's variation, and it's interpreted with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, I, I like to um, tell people how sometimes if you don't do the song well, it can send the wrong message. Uh, just give me a minute. George Beverly in 1949 was in Britain where he was there with Billy Graham when, at the inception of the... Uh, of the crusade ministry, <laughs> and George Beverly Shea was singing, it took a miracle to put the stars in place. And, and the next morning in the newspaper, the English people were really mad at the whole thing because they heard George Beverly Shea singing, it took America to put the stars in place. <laughs> and Mr. Shea decided at that time from then on he was going to practice on diction. And when you listen to his song, you hear it. He wanted to make sure that when he shared a song, people hear of the wonder of God. Well, let's look at the concentration. What's the concentration? Look at what the text says, friends. And I'm just going to make a brief moment, uh, moment with this. It's when we sing, we must feel it. When we sing, we sing with melodies in our hearts, the center of our being. We just don't sing and say, this is something I've got to endure. I'm going to let me do it. Did not our hearts burn within us? We feel our songs. We want to make sure that our minds, 1 Corinthians 15, we want to make sure that our minds are in sync with our hearts because our heart is where we, we come from. And so when we sing, you know, I, I watch a friend of, I say a friend, an acquaintance. I don't know if he's an acquaintance. I know him. I've been with him. Alistair Begg he's, has a, quite a ministry in, in, uh, in um, Cleveland, Ohio. And, and the first time I watched this program, I was quite impressed because I saw a drummer. And... I saw something in that drummer I have not seen. Well, it was the first time, to be honest, I don't know. But he was singing while he was drumming. Because most of the times you look at drummers and they're just going wild. 
They're doing their thing, and they're in it. But my friends, beating the drum is not worship. Beating the drum with the feeling that makes me sing, that's worship. That's worship. I'm not saying don't have the drums. But I'm saying, my friends, it is not about us. It is not how well I beat the drums. It is how beating the drum is an expression of what my heart is doing, and it is going to God in music. We must feel, David said in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be in sync. Don't let me sing what I don't feel. Don't let me sing what I don't believe. Don't let me sing what I don't want to share. (laughs) Sing in your hearts to God so that it will go to others. And lastly, the focus, the focus of Christian music is God. Whatever you do, and please listen, here, I, here is how I can tell if it is, it is of God. When I finish singing, people are thankful to God. When I f- finish singing, I am thankful to God. After I am finished people will realize that God was present and was being glorified. Whatever you do, when you sing, sing to the glory of God. You might not have the voice of a trained singer, but if your song is created by the presence of God's word, By the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, you will be able to tell that you have done the will of God because your heart will be overflowing with thankfulness to God. Let's pray. Father, oh God, I pray that the singing in this congregation will continue to be what it has been Lord, for some time now, the sense of the celebration, the feeling and the focusing upon God, may we never lose it. Wesley was moved. Charles Wesley was moved when the grace of God entered his heart. Along with 5,000 other songs he wrote, the song with which we close this service today. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's death in his blood? Oh God, the word has been given, the Spirit has applied it, and now may we sing it in Jesus' name. Amen.